Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with the book of, actually, we're gonna, I need you to be in two places this morning, Luke chapter 19. So once you find Luke chapter 19, kind of stick your hand in there, and then turn with me also to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, we are going to begin a new series, as you can see on the screen this morning, called uh, The Blessed Life. Uh, I feel like that it would be, if, if there is something in God's word that says, if you do this, you will be blessed, or if there's some way that we can make life more blessed, um, it is, uh, it, you would be wise to be able to teach on that and to share that with us. And so this is going to be a, a series that's going to run roughly maybe four to six weeks uh, on the blessed life. And as you're turning there, let me start by reading a passage of scripture to you. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, he says, in all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Now I want you to remember, he says, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so over the course of the next few weeks, what I want to talk about is spend some time talking about what is actually a core value of ours. Matter of fact, Luke, stand up for me this morning and turn around. These are our first church shirts. And on the front of these shirts, everybody look at Luke, make him uncomfortable. He's going to get all like some pit sweat going on in his underneath his arm. Stand up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stand up. Now turn around. Now from top to bottom, left to right, you have gather, which is the one with the church. And you have grow, which is the one with the tree. Then on the bottom, you have give. And if you'll notice, it's a hand with a heart. Okay. So give. And then we have the last one is who knows? Go, right, good. So go ahead and sit down, Luke, thank you. But one of our core values as a church is to give. Now, when we talk about giving, most of the time our minds go first and foremost to our wallets, right? And, and there's a reason why that is. Um, and that's because there seems to be a connection between what we keep right here or right here, depending on which uh, back pocket you keep it in, but there's a, there's, a, there's a connection between what's here and here. We start to pull that thing out, and it, it hurts us a little bit right here. And so, But what I want us to understand as we dive into this uh, series is that this is not solely something about money. It is about giving of ourselves. It's about, there's, and there's many different ways that we can give. God has gifted us with spiritual gifts that we are to give and to use for the expansion of his kingdom. And so we give in that regard. Uh, we have natural talents that God has given us. And so we use those in order that God's people can, can grow in him and, and know him. And, and, and sometimes God calls us to, to give of ourselves in, the, in, in going, and in going and being missionaries and God calling us to service. Now, I will admit that a lot of what we're going to talk about over the course of this series is going to pertain to finances. And why is that? Well, it's because it's one of the few things, and maybe not the only one, that God challenges us to put him to the test in. If you do this, you will see how I bless you. And, and as we look through, and as a church, you know, as a pastor, I feel it's our, my responsibility to preach through the entire counsel of God. And I can say this, over eight years, I don't know that I've really preached maybe more than one sermon on giving in and of itself. I, I'm sweating this morning because I'm nervous about you know, even talking about this. But it's one of those things that God says, and, and God makes this point. We're going to talk more about it in, in, here in a little bit. But in Matthew, Jesus says, 
where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I want us to talk, spend some time talking about this morning. And we're going to pull this morning from a story that so many of us are very familiar with, and it's the story of Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in that sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Savior walked that way, he looked up in that tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from going to your house today. So we're going to be again this morning in Luke chapter 19, but let's bow in prayer before we dive in, okay? Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning, Lord, and I thank you for uh, your blessings. Lord, I thank you for uh, this church. I thank you for the people that make it up. I thank you for those that are here visiting with us this morning. And God, I pray that as we open up your word, Father, that you would just uh, uh, just speak to our hearts and our minds, Lord. We, we need you, Father. And Lord, sometimes we uh, uh, don't realize how much we truly do. And so, Father, I pray that as we study this morning, Lord, we would see uh, how free your grace was. I pray that we would see how free your mercy is. I pray that uh, we would see how you come after us and you seek after us, Lord. And God, when we receive you, Father, you change our lives in such amazing, beautiful, special ways. And so, Father, I pray this morning that if maybe we've come here this morning, Lord, and our hearts are heavy or we've got concern or anxiety in our hearts, Lord, I pray, God, that, that we would understand that you see those things and you are working on our behalf, Lord. And, and, Father, I pray that you would just, again, speak to us this morning, bless our time here together this morning, and we ask all these things in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 19, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. It says, And he, he being Jesus, uh, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, for us to understand this, we have to understand something here. Chief, a tax collector in Bible times, especially in New Testament time, was one of the most despised people in culture at the time. Like there were very few people that were disliked and maybe even as hated as a tax collector. As a matter of fact, if you were walking down the street and, and you were getting ready to pass by a tax collector, you would cross the street and walk by on the other side just to avoid this tax collector. Not, not just specifically Zacchaeus, but that was how disliked they were uh, in, 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 this, in this time period, in this, in this society. They, they were hated people. And so we learned that Zacchaeus is this tax collector. And he was seeking who, to see who Jesus was. But on the account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he, Jesus, was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now, I don't want you to miss what happens in verse 6. So Zacchaeus hurries down. He hurried and came down and received Jesus joyfully. And when they saw it, now get this, when they saw it, when the crowd saw this, they all grumbled. He has gone in, Jesus has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now, there's a sermon in there somewhere. 
that a guy comes to Jesus, Jesus comes to the man, and others around grumble because of what has just taken place. Verse 8, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, notice what he called him, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it full fourfold. And look what Jesus says in verse 9. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. I want you to notice it didn't just come to Zacchaeus, but it has come to his house since he is, is a son of, of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the the lost. Now I want you to, to recognize two things that happen in, in Zacchaeus' response to Jesus. So Zacchaeus receives Jesus joyfully, and because of, of, of Jesus coming to him in, the, in this relationship at the beginning, and we get a picture of it when he goes from saying he wanted to find out more about Jesus to later on in the chapter, he says he calls him Lord. He says, Look, Lord, and he does two things. Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give half of my possessions, half of everything I have, I'm going to give to the poor. And the second thing is, says, if I have, if I have, if I've cheated anyone out of, out of what, out of what they've owed, if I've cheated anyone, he said, I will restore it fourfold. And what I hope to do this morning is share with us a couple of thoughts, a couple of things that we learn from this passage. Now, there was a time that I thought Zacchaeus was not a passage on giving. But if you look forward into the chapter, where's Jesus go right after he, he encounters Zacchaeus? He goes right into the parable of the talents. He says there was a, a Lord that gave this one ten and this one five and this one one. And so we can't miss that. And so there's two things that I want to share with us this morning about this topic uh, of giving. And the first one is this. We see first the, the action of giving. Now, as we look at this action of giving, I want to I get a little nerdy because it drives me nuts when I get on Facebook and I see grammatical errors. Anybody else in that same boat with me? Like you get on there and someone says there and it's supposed to be like the, the T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E and it's T-H-E-I-R. And I'm just like, it just makes my skin crawl. And so I think grammar is an important thing. Now, if you remember back into grade school, a complete sentence has two important, crucial pieces. Without these two pieces, you cannot have a complete sentence. You basically have a, a, a subject and a verb. So you have a subject and a verb. So an example of a complete sentence would be John ran. Okay, You have the subject, John. You have the action, ran. John ran. Now you can add all kinds of adjectives and prepositions. You can add all kinds of things. You can say, John ran uh, from the bear or John ran to church. You can add all kinds of things to that sentence, but the basic idea is that a, a sentence, a complete sentence, has two components, a subject and a verb. Now, I say that to say this. If we were to break down the scriptures into a, a simple, complete sentence, what would that sentence look like? 
But we all know what the subject of the Word of God is. It is God. If you go to Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You go to the last uh, verse of the last uh, chapter, last book of the Bible, Revelation 22-21. It says, in the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all, amen. So it is about God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and through the pages, it is all the subject is about God. Now, we come to the verb portion of it. And if we were to say, what would the verb of God blank in the scriptures, what would we say that verb would be? Anybody? Loves, loves a good one, saves a good one. Those are good, those are good answers. We look back and we see it. God loves. Now, I would say that is a great answer. I would also say that it might be something different. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there to you. But John 3.16, okay, let's think about this. For God so loved, now is love the, the verb in, that, in, this, in this phrase. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave. And I might challenge us this morning that maybe the, the, the tense of the Bible is that God gives or God gave. Now, what's he give? Well, he gives his love. Why does he give? He gives because of his love. But God gives for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so God gave his son. God forgives. So for is to, give is give. So to give, God forgives. He gives us forgiveness. Um, we also see uh, that, that he uh, gave, uh, that Jesus gives his life. We give ourselves to God. In fact, we gave our time this morning to be here. There were probably other things that we could be doing, but we gave that time to God to be here together this morning. Uh, God gave everything. He gives us all we have, and all we have we give to God for God to use. And, and, and this includes, again, our, our treasure, our money. If you have your Bibles and would like to flip back a, a couple of, of, of books in your Bible, so flip to Matthew uh, chapter uh, 6. This is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he is spending a lot of time teaching this, this multitude of people um, some things that they needed to understand. They were important things um, that, that were going on in their life. And so he says in, 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 in Matthew chapter 6, Verse 19, he says, um, Therefore, whoever uh, relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom. I think I have quoted the wrong passage. <laughs> I did quote the wrong passage. You want to read it for me? Yes. Go. Yeah, you know, it would help if I were looking in the right chapter of my Bible, <laughs> right? I'm in chapter 5 and chapter 6, it's right there. So it says, don't lay up for yourselves treasure on heaven. Now, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, we've heard, I, I've heard guys kind of flip this around. 
that where your heart is, there your treasure will be. But he says, where your treasure is, where I put my treasure, there's where my heart's going to be. Let me give you an example of that. If, if, if we go home and say, uh, say you purchase a, a, maybe you're not interested in the stock market at all. Okay, You have no interest in what's going on on Wall Street. But you put $100 in Walmart stock, you're all of a sudden going to be interested in what that Walmart stock's doing, aren't you? Because you have placed some treasure there, your heart's going to be there also. So I've heard people say, I just really don't have a heart for missions. Well, put some treasure there. You put some treasure in missions, I guarantee you, your heart is going to follow the treasure. It's going to go. And so Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, I, you know, I, my heart's in the church. You know, my heart is for the kingdom of God. My heart is for Jesus. Is your treasure there? Because if your treasure isn't there, your heart is not going to be there. And so I would ask you this morning, where is your heart? And if we want to know where our hearts are, all we have to do is get on internet banking or our checkbook register and find where we are spending our money. And that will give us an indication of where our hearts are at. And so Jesus says, where your heart is, or where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, then, and, and, so, and again, it's not that God, and I want you to understand something. God does not need our money. He's not saying, hey, I want you to write that tithe check because the heaven is paved in streets of gold and we've had a population boom recently and I need to pave some more streets and so why don't you go ahead and send your money up and that way we can get these streets paved. That's not why God calls us to give. In fact, if we were to, if, if I, to be completely honest with you, And I want you to understand something. Giving has nothing to do this morning. I'll say this. Right now, our church is doing better financially than it has at any point in the last nine years that I've been your pastor. Better financially than we ever have been. I don't preach on giving because I need a raise. We don't look at what the giving is, and my salary is not on a percentage or anything like that. It is established at one point in the year, and it stays that for the entire year. So it's not about that. Giving... And our hearts are, is about us. Amen. It's about you and me. It's about making sure that when we say Jesus is Lord, that he is Lord of everything, not just the things that it's easy for us to give back to him. And I understand this morning, this is, this is not one of those topics that we're like, amen, yeah, woo! Jesus is, you know, it's just not one of those. And if you're a visitor here, I've ne- again, I've never preached on this, so this is the first for all of us. But the reality is that there is a connection between our hearts and our wallets. And if we're having a problem giving in that area, then we're having a problem giving in other areas because it's all connected. And, it is, and I'm convinced that if we, if we have quit being givers, then we have become receivers. Or to put it another way, if we've quit being givers, we have become consumers. And God does not say, blessed is the consumer, He says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so he commands us as a church that we would be known by our generosity. It's all over the New Testament that our our generosity be be a witness to what God has done in our lives. And so there's this action of giving, but there's also the attitude of giving. 
So there's the action of giving and the attitude of giving. We see the action and and that Zacchaeus says, I give half of everything I have to the poor. But we see the attitude in what he says next. He says, if I have wronged anyone, if I have cheated them out of their taxes... I will restore full, fourfold what I have taken. And then I'll, but I want you to notice, again, how did Zacchaeus, look at verse 6 of, of Matthew 19, how did Zacchaeus receive Jesus? What was that word? It starts with a J. Joyfully. He received Christ joyfully. Now, The reason Zacchaeus could give joyfully was because he received joyfully. I think as as Jesus came into Zacchaeus' house, it's not like, Zacchaeus is not saying, look, 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 Lord, I will give half of everything I have to the poor. I will, if I've wronged anybody, it's not like he's saying, oh my gosh, Jesus is here, now I've got to do something. He receives Christ joyfully, and because he received Christ joyfully, he could give joyfully. So there's almost an excitement. He says, look, Lord. He said, I, I'll give, I'm going to give half of everything I have. I'm going to give it to the poor. I, I'm going to give. I'm gonna get, if I've wronged anybody, I'm gonna, I'll repay it fourfold. He received joyfully, and he was able to give joyfully. And so that at, when he says, look, Lord, he's, it's an excitement in his mind. And so if you struggle in the area of giving, you actually struggle in the area of receiving. Let me put this another way. If you have difficulty giving joyfully, you have difficulty receiving joyfully. Let me put it another way. If you have difficulty giving freely, you have difficulty receiving freely. You see, it's all a matter of how we view God's grace. And here's what I mean by that. I grew up with a grandma who, who went to a very legalistic church. You see, salvation wasn't anything that was given freely. It was almost something that you had to earn. Before you could be saved, it was almost like you had to do this, 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 and this to deem yourself worthy of salvation. And in order to maintain that salvation, you had to do da 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 and you had these almost rules that were given. And she grew up in a church that, was, that would say, well, if you died with one sin in your heart, then, 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 you, were, then you were in trouble. You could, you have four, you've lost your salvation. And, 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 I, and, and, and she lived her life filled with this anxiety and, and really lack of joy the majority of her life. Because she believed she had to be prayed up at every single moment lest she die and, and have not every sin be covered in, in, by, by forgiveness and repentance. And see, the problem with that is if we, can, if we, if, if, if we feel like our salvation or, or some, we, something we have is earned, we have a tendency to hold on to it. And if, and if, we, have, if we feel like we've earned that, then it feel like we, we must protect it. And so you know, she would live this life. Now, what we understand is that God's grace is freely given. You do nothing to earn God's grace. It is given to us free of charge. When you come and, and you 
feel like God's, you know, God calls us all to salvation. And when he calls us salvation, he doesn't say, well, hey, uh, hey, Andy, I want you to be saved. But first, you have to prove that you're worthy of this salvation. So I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And then it will prove to you, prove to me that you're worthy of this salvation. He doesn't say that. He says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Christ and that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Doesn't say, but first you have to do this, this, and this, and then I'm going to tell you how. It is freely giving. So we don't earn God's grace. It is given to us. And how do we receive that grace? Well, I'm just a good person. I deserve God's forgiveness. We don't deserve anything at all. You don't earn that. If anything, the Bible tells us that we have earned God's wrath because of our evil and our brokenness and our sin. But God says, I don't want to give that. I want to give peace. I want to give joy. I want to give grace. And I'm going to have mercy. And I'm going to do it to, for them free of charge. Now, it cost God greatly because he sent his son Jesus to die for us. It paid the penalty. But we are given grace freely. And you know what the beautiful thing about grace is? It says where sin abounds, grace abounds more. And so his grace is increasing in nature. And we get that for free. There is nothing you can do to earn God's grace. There is nothing you can do to earn more of God's grace. It is freely given. And so as we, we look at this and we, and we think about the implications of that, you know, uh, we, we, again, back to this idea of earning it and protecting it, earning it and holding on to, we work hard for our incomes. We work hard for the money that we make. But here's what we've got to understand. We don't, we don't earn our take-home pay. It is God's blessing on our hard work. You see, he owns it all and he gives it to us. Amen. He blesses us. I don't earn that. That is God's gift. And so my response to God's gift is, is he, he says, you know, I want you to give a little bit of it back in a tithe and offerings. That's what I want you to do. I want you to put me first in this. I want you to recognize what I'm doing and how I've blessed. And I want you to give back a portion of it. Next week, our, our series is going to be, or our sermon is going to be called First Things First. And the blessing that comes with, with giving God the first fruits. And I'm, I'm excited about that one. It's, it's going to be good. And so, but as we look at that, you know, we, we, and we think about God's blessing, it's all God's. You know, we can work hard at plowing the field and planting the seed, the seed. But who provides the rain? God does. So we can work hard, but it is God who blesses our hard work. He blesses us. He provides for us. And so we are to obey in our giving. And again, this is a, this is a heart issue. This is for us. It's the only commandment that God gives that he says, look, put me to the test here and see if I will not bless don't give me the leftovers, give me the, the, give, me, give me the first fruits and let me bless. And there's an amazing picture that takes place in the Old Testament about giving God the first and asking him to bless the rest. It's biblical and we're going to talk about it next week. So let's talk a little bit about this idea of grace and giving. If you have your Bibles, now flip over to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 
as we get in here, I want to give you a little context of where we're at in, in this chapter. This is the second letter that Paul writes to the Corinthian church. And in the first one, Paul talks about giving. In chapter 9, he talks about, um, about giving ministry, and, and he, this is where we get the phrase that, you know, he, a soldier isn't expected to go to war uh, on his, or raise his own funds to go to war, uh, but, but that, or an ox is not, uh, you know, is allowed to, to, to eat the grain as he treads, uh, and, and so uh, we get, and then in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, he says this, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do on the first day of every week. Each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. You see, he is putting together a collection. There were churches in need. There were ministries that needed help. And he says, I want you on the first day of the week to put aside as God has prospered you, to lay aside uh, this so that when I come, we don't have to take up a special offering. So when we come, the funds are already there, and they can go to help uh, the ministry and, and help these churches that are in need. Now, we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and what we see here is that Paul is writing back to them. Now, they have not given this gift yet. And so if we look at verse 1 of chapter 8, he says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in severe tests of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, the Corinthian church, if they were to give Paul an excuse about why they haven't gave, it would be this. We are in the midst of a recession, Paul. And Paul says, and, and so Paul says, listen, so is Macedonia. In fact, theirs is much worse than the Corinthian recession is. But they have given much more. They have, they have given, uh, look at verse 3, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. They have not only given what they said, but they've gone above and beyond what they committed to. Begging us earnestly, get, look at this, if you, if you have your Bibles open to 2 Corinthians 8, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part of the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And then look at verse 7. Well, actually, look at verse 6. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he would complete among you the, this act of grace. Now, I don't want you to miss what's about to happen here. But as you excel... In everything, and look what he says, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, he says, see that you excel in this act of grace also. That our giving is an act of grace. That it is something that God calls us to grow in. This, and, and so we grow in faith. We grow in prayer. We grow in knowledge of the word. But we are to grow in the, in the grace of giving as well. He says, I want you to grow, excel in this grace as well. And so uh, we see that, that, that text there. Now, understand this as we, as we look at, now let's get, well, I want to keep reading because there's something here that I want to make a point on. He says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, 
so that you uh, by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter, I give my judgment. He says, this benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also a desire uh, to do it. And so he says, so now finish doing it well. He said, this, this giving, it benefits you. And so you began it, now finish it and finish it well. And so uh, it, was, it was clear that there was this thing here. Now listen, what is, our, what is our motivation to give? Our motivation to give is because we love. Now we love God, and so we give to him what he asks us to, asks us to give. We give because we have received freely. Now skip down to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We give because we have received grace. And he says in verse, chapter 9, verse 6, he says the point is this. So he spent all this time talking about giving. He says the point is this. You reap what you sow. We reap what we sow. Now, again, let me, let me state something very simply. We read that and we say, well, let me give so I can get. We don't give to get. We give to give, and God blesses that. We don't give. You know, it's not, we hear these guys say, well, if you'll send 1997 to a particular ministry, then God's going to reward you fourfold, and you're going to get something happen. Now, I'll be honest with you. There has never been a time in my life that I can remember that I wrote God a check, and, and the next week got a check back in that exact same amount. Or that I wrote God a check and said, all right, Lord, you know, you know I'm, I'm going to write this. I'm going to give it to you freely and then expect God to, to you know, that I get some, you know, $5,000 check because I overpaid in some taxes or overpaid in some insurance. Like, I've never had that happen. But I have had this happen. I have had God bless the purchase of a home. God has blessed the selling of a home far more than I ever thought was even possible. I have, I have talked to people uh, who just this past week I was getting a haircut and my barber said, you know, he said, we give, we tithe. And, and he said, uh, I was given on my cash. You know, most people pay in cash and I was just tithing on my 10% of cash. And so at the end of the week, I'd count up all the cash I did uh, and, I would, and I would take 10% of that and I would give it. But he said, I wasn't thinking about the, 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 the debit transactions I was doing. See, for about the last year or so, he had one of them little square, them little white squares, and if, you're, and, and, and if people come in and wanted to swipe their card, he could take it that way. He said, I realized I wasn't looking at that every week and, 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 and tithing on that. So he said, after you know, thinking about it, I decided that's what I needed to do, that I needed to not only tithe on the cash, but I need to tithe on that because that's income too, right? And so he sits down, and at the end of the week, he starts giving, and he doesn't notice a whole lot of change. And the next week he gives, you know, the same thing. And all of a sudden he said, Andy, since I have begun doing that, he said, God has blessed my business in ways I could have never imagined. Amen. He said, I am doing more work now than I ever have. And he said, God has blessed me giving to him. He didn't say, God, give me the business first and then I'll give you the tithe. He says, I'm going to give you the tithe, and, I, and if that's all you want me to do, Lord, then that's all I'm going to expect back is that you desire for me to do this. But God blessed him in return. And you look back at, well, I'm not going to get ahead of myself because that's for next week. But let's keep reading. The point is, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
And look what he says in verse 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Now again, I want to stress on this. I'm not preaching on this because the church needs your money. Now, I'd be a liar if I didn't say that if we had some additional funds, there was more that we could do, but that's not what this is about. Right now, we're fine. We're putting money back. We're saving. like to build a building someday, soon, because we need it. Look around this morning. There are some things we need. I'm not going to lie. But this is what this is about. This is about my heart and your heart. We, we want to grow. It's one of those things that like we look at these commands of the Bible and look at these things that God desires for his people to do. And giving is one of the most difficult things for us to allow Jesus to be Lord over. I remember one time Ash and I having a, a conversation and, and it, there was an opportunity that came up to give to something. And I, she said, well, how much do you think? And, and I was like, well, you know, she, I said, I really, I really kind of feel like $100 is appropriate. And I didn't know why that number. It wasn't a number. It was just something that I, I thought of. And, you know, we're sitting there going, oh, but man, that $100 would really benefit us. You know what I mean? Any, anybody else ever been there? Like you feel like you need to do something, but at the same time you're thinking, man. And let me ask you a question. In that moment, in that mo- I'm just going to be from, from my heart. In that moment, I failed to trust God. I failed it. I failed. I should have wrote the check and said, God, this is what you're asking me to give. And so I'm going to give it, and I'm going to give it joyfully, and I'm going to give it cheerfully. And I'm going to do that because I trust that you already know my needs, and you're going to meet every need that I have. That doesn't mean that I'm going to have every want that I have, but he's going to fill every need that I have. And and so something that's happened, you know, for us is that, you know, it's it's about that obedience thing. It's about if he's Lord and if I trust him for my salvation, do I trust him to provide for my family financially? Do I trust that, that what he's asking me to give or he's calling me to give is going to, is, is, is uh, that, that, I'm, that he's going to provide for me? Not that he's going to bless it fourfold. You know, you could preach this and take it completely out of context and say, well, you know, Zacchaeus said he'd return it fourfold, so whatever you give the Lord, he's going to return fourfold. That's not at all what I'm saying. I am saying this. God blesses a cheerful giver. God blesses one. And I'll say this, and I, this isn't a tooting my own horn thing, but I'll say this. Ashley and I have made an effort to be faithful givers the entire time we've been married, whether we made good money or whether we were broke. And I'll say this, all our needs have always been met. They've always been met. God provided a house whenever we took cuts in pay to make a move. God provides a house. He, he will take care of us in ways that, that, we, that right now you're thinking, well, this would be a great way to bless, and he's going to bless you another way, and you're going to go, God, that was way better. But listen, it is a faith 
thing. God doesn't say, let me increase your resources financially and then I'm going to ask you to give. He says, I want you to give and watch how I bless the rest. The best thing I ever did, done, I've ever done is when I, I would get, like, we'll, I'll get paid today. And I will go to the bank and I'll deposit that in the morning. And the first check I write, I write, I write my tithe check. Why? I can't spend it if it's, if it's already gone. Or I'll get on text to give and I will give immediately because if that money's not in my bank account, it can't go anywhere else. It's the best thing I ever started doing. Why? Because I don't get to the end of the week and be like, oh man, I didn't pay my tithe. What am I going to do? You know, and I write a check for less than the amount of the tithe because I've spent it doing something else. It's a faith thing. I'm going to say, God, I'm giving this to you, and I'm going to trust that you're going to bless the rest of this and provide and meet the needs for my family. See, it's a heart thing. And you see, if God can't have that aspect of our heart, there are probably other areas as well that we're not letting God have a hold of. And we're not allowing him to be Lord of areas of our life. And if we're not allowing him to be Lord, then, then someone else is Lord, and we can't serve two masters. And so this is, folks, this is a heart issue. This isn't the church wanting your money. This isn't a preacher, uh, you know, wanting to start Andy Rain's World Ministries and I'm going to do it on your backs. That's not, this is nothing about that. Nothing. I want you to understand that as your pastor, I love you. And God says, I will bless. And I want you to live a blessed life. I want you to understand God's blessings. And if we want to receive God's blessings, we want to understand God's blessings, we want to experience God's blessings, this is one area that Christ has to have control of in our lives. That we have to surrender this along with other things. Why? Because he freely gave to us. He freely gave. And I would say this, I would just say this, just kind of in closing. For all Christ has done for us, everything he has done for us, I think about what does he deserve to receive back from us. Not, what, not an earning or not, not that we give because, you know, because we feel, but, but what did, think about you know, that salvation. I think God deserves nothing short of our best. Amen? Amen? God deserves our best effort. God deserves the best of what we have. Why? It is a small price to pay for him giving his son Jesus to rescue out of what for us was a hopeless situation where we could do nothing for ourselves. And that's exactly where we found ourselves when it comes to our, to our sin. That we can do nothing to save ourselves. And God knew that. And so in his great mercy and grace, gave his son Jesus, and Jesus willingly came to give his life as a ransom for many. Because we were enslaved. And now, thank God, we are set free. And we are set free to so many things in this life. And so I want to encourage us this morning. This, again, it, it, it's about our hearts and where our hearts are. Why? Because for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning.